Talking Illinois High School Football. If your goals are as high as you talk about, tonight's the night you go out and just take one more step. It's a view from the West. And it starts right now! Welcome back to View from the West podcast. I'm your host, Greg Armstrong. Thank you so much for downloading, subscribing, and listening. I'm really excited for today's show. I'll be joined by Logan Willits, the head coach of the Anawan Weathersfield Titans. Obviously, teams all around the state have felt let down by no fall football this last season, but no playoffs may sting a little more for Anawan Weathersfield. In 2019, they advanced to the state semifinals, giving the eventual state champion Lena Winslow their closest game of the season. Combine that momentum with a wealth of returning talent, including one of the best quarterbacks in the state of Illinois in Colton Quagliano, it's easy to see why the Titans should be one of the first teams mentioned in the conversation for best teams in the state of Illinois heading into this spring. They'll have a chance to prove that they are one of the best in the six-game season they have coming soon, so let's waste no more time. Let's get into the conversation. Let's talk some small school football. I'm joined now by the head coach of the Anawan Weathersfield Titans, the defending Lincoln Trail Conference champions from 2019. They made a semifinal appearance that year. Logan Willits, thanks for joining me. Hey, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. So knowing you know how far you went a year ago and the talent you had returning, Tell me about the ups and the downs of the last year for you guys like everybody else. And, you know, what do you got coming into this uh, spring football season? Yeah, it's obviously been a weird year for everybody. You know, we we left off our last football game on a, a pretty bad note, you know, um, playing a home semifinal game against uh, a very formidable Lena Winslow team um, and suffering that loss uh, in a game that I, I think we gave them their best game of the year. Um, and, and you know, I left and our coaching staff left that day thinking, man, we got seven guys coming back each side of the ball. This is, you know, really something for us to build off of. Um, and then with the COVID pandemic and everything that's kind of happened between now and then, um, it's been a little tough to imagine getting back on the field and you look outside right now and see all the snow on the ground and um, knowing we were supposed to start next Monday. Um, but thankfully that got pushed back. Um, it, you know, we're, we're happy. Um, our guys, once they could start working out again, um, hit the ground running. Um, and I think that's probably the case for most programs around here. Kids want to be active, um, and they, that was taken away from them for a long time. Um, so the work that we got in last summer was great. Um, it, it helps having um, the returning guys that we have, you know, a, a Colton Quagliano, a Tucker, Tucker Miller, a Reese Grip. Um, we're, we're very lucky in, in terms of what we have, um, and that idea of leaving the semifinal field with seven guys returning um, on each side of the ball has been huge for us. We only lost four seniors. They were very, very good players. Um, you know, Drake Van Hefty, Julian Samuels, Isaac Shaw, and Tevin Baker. Um, but we have a lot of returning experience, we, and that gave us a lot of leadership in the offseason. That was the number one thing. Um, once, you know, we could get going, those guys uh, wanted to work, and they wanted everybody to work, and they wanted people to match their intensity and match their hard work. Um, and that was great to see, and we kind of got back into school on this hybrid schedule that we're still on. Um, and, and then we didn't have any sports, and, and – uh, none of them picked up the goal for the cross country or anything like that. So um, they were they were not doing competition. So we had some contact days and, um, you know, now they're back on the basketball floor. And in a couple of weeks, um, I'm, I'm looking forward to getting back because um, to me and our coaches, uh, it, it's very much a family. Um, you know, it's like not seeing our family members for a long period of time. Um, I, I, and I'll use Reese as an example because he goes to Anawan and I'm at Weathershield. I don't know the last time I was able to sit down with Reese um, and, and just have a conversation. 
Um, and, and it'll be great when we get into season to have those conversations and, and you know, the experience we have returning and the talent we have returning in, in a shortened schedule. Um, it's, it's, it's not going to allow these kids to reach the goals that they wanted. I know what their goal was um, when, when we lost to Lena Winslow. I know they had one thing they wanted left to accomplish and we're not going to be able to do it. Um, but we're going to make the most of the opportunity we have. Um, we're going to coach them hard and we're going to kind of let them control our destiny. You know, how, how, like, what do they want to make of this six game season? Um, do, do they want it to be fun? Um, do they just want to go out and, and play every minute of every game? Because I think they're going to deserve that. They had uh, normally an opportunity for nine and in our program, a lot of times, at least 10 games. Um, and, and now it's being cut down to six. So um, that's a conversation that we're going to have with them moving forward. And I think I know what their response is going to be um, because I know their commitment, their passion for the sport of football. Yeah. I mean, you guys got so many competitors coming back, like you said, you know, with it being such a different looking season, you talked about, man, it hurts for you guys, especially maybe more than a lot of teams in the state that knowing what you had and knowing the expectations that were there, it hurts to have no playoffs, but is there maybe, maybe an extra emphasis on winning the Lincoln trail? this year and putting that exclamation point and saying we are still the best team around here. Absolutely. There's, there's an extra emphasis on taking care of business in the six games that we're presented with. And, you know, when they originally came out with the IHSA schedule, um, it was the idea of seven games and a potential two bonus kind of regionally based games. And I said, we'll play whoever, like we want to go out and take care of our business. And I said, I know, and there's a lot of people around the state that know and that cover one, a football that if we take care of business the way we can, there's, you know, there's not going to be a state championship, but you could make an argument that, you know, it's us. We're, we're, you know, we're right up there with the best teams. We were this close before. We gave Lena Winslow their, their best game, and, and that was with, um, you know, Bruce and Ormiston um, ending up at Iowa, one as a, a Scully and one as a walk-on, and um, Jennings Dunker and those guys. And I, I talked to Coach Ren the other day, and, you know, he said if, if we reach a point where uh, we each have like a, a team that has to quarantine, if we'd be interested in trying to get together because – he thinks, you know, across the state for 1A, teams like us and Morrison and Lena and Freeport um, Aquin and Ottawa Marquette, who we actually get to see week one, you know, it, the, state, the state can still allow those matchups if, you know, a lot of things fall in place. Um, we're not going to cancel on anybody on our schedule, but, um, you know, I, I, was, I, I was getting pretty excited when he was talking to me about, hey, if we have an opening and you have an opening, what, would you guys be interested? And I said, yeah, we, we would love to because – we want our kids to be challenged, but um, our emphasis is on, you know, those six games. We want to win those six games um, and, and make that statement that we're the best team in our conference, hopefully, um, mm -hmm. and one of the best teams in our area. Um, and, you know, in, in 1A, when you look at those six games that were scheduled for all the teams that would have been in 1A, um, we think our schedule is pretty tough. And, you know, um, it, it's it could be we could have been, you know, we could have reached that level. Um, we won't get the chance to prove it, but um, we want – to leave no doubts about getting to that point man I don't know if you saw my eyes light up when you said there's a chance that you may be able to play Lena Winslow holy cow it was a, it was a great conversation you know he called the NUIC had some some scheduling conflicts um and you know they had a couple teams that opted out of week one because they were going to finish up their basketball and, and he called me he's like hey you guys haven't posted a schedule I haven't seen it on Twitter I haven't seen anything online you, are you guys full? And I was like, you know, we haven't posted, uh, but, but we are full. And he's like, man, he's like, we're looking for a week one. I said, oh, I said, brother, 
if uh, if we didn't have Ottawa Marquette schedule, which I think is going to be a great game, and obviously you are probably looking forward to that game. <laughs> I am, uh, in fact. I said if we, you know, if if anything happened, I said we would have jumped on that in a heartbeat. But I said we we got them into the LTC for this year. We're not going to do that to a team that that we wanted to get in. Um, to kind of fill a hole in our schedule, they're helping us out. Um, we're not we're not going to leave that stranded. But I said if, if something happens this year. I said, and you have an opening and we have an opening. I said, that would be for sure. Um, I said, I'll make sure I reach out because um, our kids would, would revel at that opportunity um, because that, it kind of left a bad taste in their mouth after last year. And then, you know, watching them at state just, just roll to a state title um, in a game that wasn't super competitive made our kids um, even, you know, a little bit more like that. We, we could have been there, you know, if, if Illinois is not seeding this one through 16 in the north, one through 16 in the south, um, that could have been us on that stage and, and you know, a couple breaks here or there, um, and, and it could have been different. But um, that, that, was a, that was a great playoff run for us in terms of the, the tradition-rich programs we got to see um, in the second round, the quarterfinal and the semifinals, going from Forston um, to Morrison here to Lena Winslow here. Those are, you know, those are great opportunities our kids will never forget. Um, it's just too bad we, we probably won't have those chances this year. Yeah, well, talk a little bit about this year. I mean, we've kind of referenced a little bit, but what do you got coming back? Give me some of the, you know, the skill positions in the in the line and defense and offense. Yeah, we're we're returning, um, in my opinion, the best football player in one A, and and um, I'm I don't I don't mean that in terms of he's not getting all these Division One scholarships, but the kid's been doing it for um, four years, and in our area, everybody knows the name, and that's Colton Quagliano. Um, he, he's been a four-year starter, well, three-and-a-half-year starter for us at quarterback, and he's been the leader of our team since he was a sophomore. Um, and, and a guy that threw for um, over 3,000 yards and 39 touchdowns last year, and um, he's the cog of everything that, we've do, that we do and that we did even when I was just the offensive coordinator. He, he makes us go. Um, around him, we do return quite a bit of skill, guys. We lost Julian Samuels and, and Isaac Shaw, our top two receivers, but we return our entire running back stable. Um, and, and we returned guys that, that had, um, you know, 15, 20 catches last year, like Cale Nelson and Brady Kelly. Um, and you're seeing them on the basketball court right now being pretty impactful players. Um, and our, our running backs, Reese Grip, Tucker Miller played running back last year until he got dinged up and, and strictly played defense in our playoff run. Um, and we have some, some talented juniors coming in. We're obviously going to be led by our senior class. We have uh, seven or six kids in that class. Um, who have been two-way starters for three, this would be their third year, and then one that's a, a one-way starter for the last three years. So um, there's a lot of experience. Um, up front, uh, we'll, we'll return Logan Troxel, George Lothoris, and Mitch Lambert on the offensive side. Mitch was kind of a rotational piece for us um, that was, you know, plug and play whenever we needed somebody. Um, and defensively, we returned, again, we lost our four seniors, but we returned seven guys over there. Um, it's going to involve some, some position switching. Uh, when you lose a guy like Drake Van Hefty, that's the ultimate canceler in the middle. Um, and we're going to have to kind of slide our linebackers around because um, we think that Tucker Miller is kind of that guy on our defense uh, moving forward. You know, at, at six foot two, 215 pounds, he's going to slot pretty well into that, that inside linebacker and be the guy that goes sideline side line to sideline. If you want to run straight at him, good luck because um, he, he's, you know, a very physical player. Um, so we're returning. Um, those seven guys, a lot of the guys I mentioned are also playing on defense. We, we consistently do a great job with Coach Schmidt, our defensive coordinator, and Coach Dooley, our defensive line coach, rotating guys 
Um, at any point in time last year, we played, you know, we had a, we would tighten our rotation and loosen it depending on who we were playing, but we're playing anywhere from six to nine guys on the defensive line. And we're going to keep that trend going. Um, and in the secondary, um, in terms of our schedule, depending on who we're playing kind of depends on where we match up in the secondary, you know, is it a double tight team um, that's going to run the ball and, and run some wing T at us? Um, if so, we're going to probably play two of our DBs and kind of um, stiffen our linebacker court. And if it's a spread team, um, like a Star County or a Mercer County that kind of looks like us, um, we're, we're going to get some more speed on the field. So um, we, we have quite a bit of experience and a lot of playmakers returning. And um, defensively, specifically, it's about shuffling some positions to make sure we can get all those guys on the field. Absolutely. Go back to, uh, you know, Colton Quagliano. I think he's, he's been around a football field uh, for you guys longer than Tom Brady has been, I think, in the NFL, or about the equal amount of time. It, it feels like that. It feels like that. <laughs> what, how have you seen him change and grow through the time here, starting when he took over the job for Zach Van Opdorp, who is a great quarterback in himself? Yeah. And you thought, man, that's really going to, you know, hurt, you know, Anwan Weathersfield. I remember by the end of the year, you thought, holy cow, like, the, you know, they didn't skip a beat. Yeah, when, when he took over um, as a freshman, you know, we, we had kind of had that competition in the summer. And we thought Zach's experience just on a varsity football field kind of won him the job. And, and you know, he, he was a very good quarterback. He was a first-team all-conference quarterback. And that was even after he missed, you know, the last half of the conference season with a, a broken foot. Um, and Colton stepped in. And at first, I think um, he relied and, and I relied so much on just his general athleticism. Like, we just let him kind of go out there and make plays. It wasn't so much so much schematically and um, you know we were coaching him up but it was it was in like a week at a time like hey this is what we're looking at this week um, and, and over time you know even his sophomore year I think he was kind of like that and then last year I think he took the step forward of saying okay um, he, he was much more um, proactive in, in studying the film and breaking down what teams were doing and understanding what he needed to be looking for um, and it was a much more cerebral side of him um, last year and everything's trending that direction again as well um so we've gotten you know he still makes those plays where you watch him i mean he, he kind of runs around and scrambles around and, and avoids the rush and then sees somebody and he's running to his right and throws it 30 yards downfield on a dime and, and it's six points um, but i think we started to at the end of last year and, and during that playoff run especially um, teams that he knew were going to pressure him he tried to stay in the pocket get rid of the ball on time save himself from getting um, you know, hit by guys like um, Bruce and Dunker and, and the force and defensive line that was was very, very physical and very good. Um, and, and those guys from Morrison were flying around the football that day. Um, and, and, you know, he, he learns from his mistakes. He, he made, um, I think he threw nine interceptions last year, maybe 10. Um, but, you know, he had three against Morrison, I think, and two against Lena Winslow. Um, and, and we had off-season meetings with our kids, and, and we asked them, you know, like, what are your goals? Like, what individually as a team, what do you think we can accomplish? Um, kind of as like an interview thing with their position coaches. Um, and he wanted to um, throw for more yards and turn the ball over less. He recognized, you know, this is, this is my thing. I, you know, every once in a while, I just kind of throw one up there. Um, and he wanted to cut that out of his game, and I think that shows maturity. Um, the other the other aspect in which he, he's grown tremendously is um, I don't think he really found his voice when he was a freshman and sophomore in the huddle. There's so many older guys. Um, he had always you know been a, a really big leader for kids his age, kids that he had always played with. Um, but he was he was jumping in huddles um, with you know a, a Drake Van Hefty, um, a, Te a Tevin yeah. Baker, a Julian Samuels, um, and, and the year before that a Tyler Nichols who was a, a, an 
honorable mention all state linebacker and offensive lineman and he's jumping in huddles and, and you know th those are leaders to him those are guys he looked up to um and he realized that you know part of playing his position and part of being who he needed to be um he, he needed to take over those leadership roles um so that's obviously developed since he originally came in that huddle as a scrawny little freshman that weighed like 140 pounds for us that's got to be i mean for you as an offensive guy and being the offensive coordinator that's got to be really cool to see that transition and to see a naturally gifted athlete really kind of turn it into a mental thing and make himself the best quarterback he can be, not just the best athlete on the field. Yeah, it, it was, it was awesome to watch. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, there's freshmen that come into programs and it impact them, um, you know, athletically and everything like that. And I think that's what he did. But um, if, if you would have told me, you know, what would happen when he was a freshman compared to what he is now, um, it, it's been an incredible transformation. It, it, it's, I don't, I don't know that I'll, I'll get the opportunity and I'm going to be, you know, coaching a long time um, still, you know, I'm, I'm a relatively young guy. Um, and uh, I don't think I'll ever, I'll ever see someone come in like that and have that impact um, and, and develop that way and, and want to do that. Like it, it was never like, Colton, you need to do this. Like it was every single day um, he was taking those steps forward himself um, to become a better um, player, teammate, and leader. Um, and, you know, it's it's going to be tough um, rolling into, obviously, having two football seasons here in the next calendar year, rolling into the fall of 2021 season um, and, and starting to give plays to somebody else just because uh, me and him have had that relationship. And, and he thinks like he thinks the game like I do um, now because he's been with me for four years. And there's times that he'll come over, hey, we need to do this, we need to do that. Um, and replacing him, I don't think we'll have that um, because we won't have the experience, and I don't think we'll have that that kid. Um, the, you know, we, a lot of kids in our area want to be like Colton. Um, I mean, a lot of kids, like youth kids. We have kids in our high school program, like they see him work out and they want to do that, and they want, and that's you know, that's great. Um, but Colton's Colton, um, and, and it'll be tough to replicate that with somebody else coming through um, these hallways. Uh, you know, that kind of led into a question. Oh, here, we got a little feedback here. We'll hold on a second. Um, that kind of leads into my next question. Talk about some of the, not specifically, but talk about the underclassmen, the sophomores and juniors. They're going to essentially get two football seasons in a calendar year. How will this spring season in six games help them kind of advance? And then a lot of that will still be fresh on the mind come summer and come hopefully next fall when things are relatively a normal football season. Yeah, this, this spring season um, and all of its negative aspects of the weather and just six games instead of nine and playing in this time of year compared to playing in a traditional football season, um, you know, there's drawbacks. But the one big bonus is, especially with the freshmen and sophomores, we're going to get um, a nice consecutive run of time here uh, where knowing we have to replace so many seniors, it's going to be nice because – um, they're going to be with us. We're going to coach them up. We're, we're going to make them, um, you know, learn and get better every single day in the spring. And then they're going to kind of go play some other seasons, but then we're going to use it as a springboard right into our summer stuff and, um, you know, give them some time off to rest and relax. But um, there's not that whole calendar year of, Hey, we haven't done this in a while. Do you remember how to do this? Um, so we, we have um, some very talented kids coming up um, and kind of like Colton as a freshman more so right now when I watch them they're they're athletically gifted um, schematically we're, we're gonna have to figure out um, you know what what they can kind of take because you coach to your kids 
Um, and I know that you probably hear coaches say that all the time, but sometimes you have to adapt the personnel you have, and our personnel is going to have to adapt. We're not going to have a quarterback that we're going to drop back 25 times a game anymore. Um, so we're going to have to figure some things out, um, and this spring will allow us to, you know, kind of um, analyze the talent that we have and what they're good at um, at the fresh off level because um, losing, I think we have uh, 12 seniors total, losing those 12 seniors, um, we're going to have some spots that need to be battled for going into next fall, and, and this will be a great preview of what that could look like and um, whether it's a, a kid that's going to play this spring as a freshman or a kid that's going to play this spring as a sophomore or even some of those juniors. Those juniors, we, we feel pretty confident. We know what they can do and um, where they play. Um, but those freshmen and sophomores, it's a, it's a prove it time. Show me what you can do this spring. Um, and you might have an inside track at something um, in the fall if you do everything that we need to between now and then. And, um, you know, we, we have some kids kind of earmarked right now that we're really interested to see how they develop. And um, we, we kind of have them pinholed in at a position at the fresh soft level thinking, you know, at fresh soft this year and probably at varsity the next year. Um, but if, if they look super uncomfortable or something's not working or vibing with them, um, we're going to be able to have some time to get that adjusted. Yeah, well, for as much time as you had off, you're certainly going to make up for it with spring, summer, and then back to fall. So you'll, yeah, you'll, we're, you'll, we're, have, you'll um, have a full plate. We're going to have a full plate. Um, I actually just went down the other day and was talking to kind of Coach Parsons about, you know, the, typically this is your summer basketball schedule. This is our summer football schedule. What are we thinking here? Baseball's not ending. Track's not ending till here. Um, so it, it's going to be a different summer. Um, and it's going to give – build in probably more rest than a, a typical summer because of the fact that they are, they're going to be so active from, um, you know, they started basketball games last week until, and then they're going to go straight into football and then they're going to go straight into baseball and track. They're going pretty hard from um, February through the end of June. Um, and traditionally they, you know, even a three sport kid plays all those, but they're not playing three sports in that period of time. Um, so it, there's going to have to be some active rest built in there. Um, it, but it, it's going to be, um, it's going to be interesting and it's going to be fun for our coaching staff. Um, to kind of see these seniors out the right way um, and get them their six opportunities. And, and like I said, kind of let them go. Um, they, they've worked too hard over the course of four years to not have this opportunity um, and these hopefully six, depending on, um, you know, COVID concerns and things like that, these six opportunities. Um, but get them and then develop our youth and, and just keep things rolling um, because we, we really like the product that we put on the field. Um, we, we hope that um, in our area, there's some notoriety amongst Anwan Weathershield Titan football, and we hear a lot of positive things, and we would just want to keep that going forward. Certainly, certainly. Well, let's go uh, back in time. 2007, Alito graduate. Your, yeah. your head coach, uh, Coley Welter, I don't think I need to explain it to people listening to this podcast. He's, you know, one of the best coaches in the state. I mean, he, he's certainly got the resume now to prove it. Um, what did you learn playing for him? and things that you take with you, whether it's X's and O's or just kind of the way to, you know, he ran a program. I, I think the biggest thing I took from him um, was the way to run a program and the way to treat kids. Um, you, know, you, you have to be invested. Uh, he, he knew that he was invested in us. And obviously we racked up a lot of wins when I was in high school and that program when he was there was, was um, super successful. Uh, but more than anything else, the day-to-day -day operations was he cared. Um, and he wanted us to develop, um, and, and he did, you know, uh, he, he wasn't a tough love guy. He wasn't like a scream at your face, get you going. He was a, a very down-to-earth, um, calm leader of young men, and, and I hope that um, the way that 
Uh, my kids see me as very similar to that. Um, like you said, his resume speaks for itself. And, and if you know anything about um, specifically smaller school, you know, 1A through 3A high school football in Illinois, that's probably um, one of one of the top figures, um, somebody that could be uh, recently, at least on the Mount Rushmore of, of small school football coaches. And um, I can't thank him enough um, for everything he's ever done for me. I mean, here's a, here's a funny story. And um, my, my brother um, just was recently named the head coach at Knox College. So if you've seen any of that, that's my older brother. Um, he, was a, he was a graduate from Alito, went to Knox, played there. Um, and Coach Welter is so important in my family that my brother named his first son Colin. Um, so, you know, that's Coley. Uh, that's, that's my nephew. Um, and he was named after our football coach. That's how um, impactful that man was on me and my two brothers' lives. Um, so that's kind of a side story. Um, in terms of X's and O's, um, he's somebody I talk to weekly um, about what we're doing schematically. And he loves watching our film because we do some stuff that he doesn't do. And I love watching his film because I see some stuff that, hey, I, you know, we're pretty athletic at this position and he's doing that. I'm watching his state title run there for Monticello a couple years ago. We had got knocked out early in the playoffs. Um, so I was able to attend three games and, and he's somebody that he would ask me, you know, Hey, review this, like leading up to the game. And um, I, he, he would know where I was at pregame. I would let him know, give him a big hug, tell him good luck. Um, and, and he would swing by on his way to the locker room at halftime. Hey, what are you seeing? What are you seeing? Um, you're an extra set of eyes for us. And I was like, oh, you know, like I know what you guys do and this kind of matches with it. Um, so we've been able to speak to each other on the X and O level. Um, and, and but more so than anything else, uh, you know, I, I had a daughter in, in May and one, one of the first texts I received was from him. And, you know, hey, you know, you're stepping into a big role here being a dad. And I was like, yeah, I said, I, I, I am. And this is going to be new to me. I said, right now, I said, my wife's probably lucky we don't have football because I, I'd be all over the place. But now I, I can commit to being a dad right now. I um, mean, you know, he's been he's been great with the life lessons um, along the way, the X's and the O's. Um, everything from high school until, I mean, just, I talked to him yesterday um, because, you know, he's excited for my family with my brother coming back to the area. He, you know, that's what he wanted to talk about. Not, hey, you know, are, are you excited your brother's the next head football coach at Knox College Division Three? He wanted to say, are you excited your brother and family are coming back? Like, that's going to be an awesome opportunity um, for you and your daughter to grow up. And my other brother lives in Iowa City, so everybody's pretty local. I mean, those are the things that he talks to us about today, which, which is great. And then, you know, this spring, I'm sure we're going to have our X's and O's discussion, and, and I can't wait for those too. That's awesome. That's really cool to hear. I mean, I think, you know, from my perspective and other media members, you get glimpses of, you know, Cully Welter or other coaches in the area, and you kind of think, like, he seems like a really good guy. But yep. to hear the stories and hear the direct, you know, you know, stuff from you, that, that's really cool to hear that he, he does it. You know, he does it on, on, on the field and off the field, whether it's leading his team or his family or, you know, now, you know, friends and colleagues like you've become. It's, that's yeah. really cool to hear. Um, you know, being that you've been, you know, in Alito, you've been in Anamon Weathersfield since 2012, you've been around the Lincoln Trail for a long time. What is it to you that you appreciate about small school football, that, that 1A atmosphere and that, you know, what that can provide and what that brings? Um, it's, you know, it, it's small school football, but it, it means a lot to every one of these communities. And I think that's the number one thing, you know, going back to the Olympic conference days, I was there before, you know, in the Alito days and it was the Olympic conference, but that's still a small school football conference. Um, and you would see, whether we were, you know, at Sherrard or at Orion, you, the whole community's backing these programs. 
Um, and, and since becoming a coach and being involved in the co-op, um, we have two communities. And, and it doesn't matter where one of these games is at. We know that in a, in a non-COVID season, where it's going to be packed when we play and there's going to be a lot of support there. Um, and the quality of football is going to be pretty high. There's ups and downs for some programs, but um, the quality of football is pretty high. I mean, the last um, we've had three semifinal runs the last five seasons we played, and, and we've matched up with somebody in, in another small school conference that's very well known, the Three Rivers, um, in the quarterfinals uh, each year, I think. Um, we had Morrison, our last one. We had Fulton before that, and we had Hall, our first one. Um, and you go to a game like that, and um, I think that brings out the essence of small school football, just absolutely loaded crowds of people back in their community, and there's a high-quality product on the field. Um, so whether it's the Lincoln Trail, the Three Rivers, the old Olympic Conference, um, now getting to go to some of the hollowed grounds of the NUIC last year going up to Forest, and that was awesome. Um, you know, that was something that we hadn't, we hadn't done before. Um, and, and then having Lena here and, and you know, starting to make those connections with that conference, um, it, it's been incredible. Um, small school football in Illinois is, is quality. Um, there, there's some really good programs um, across all conferences, 1A through 3A, and, and in our area especially, um, there's going to be some representation in a late-round playoff game somewhere, um, and, and that's great. Um, you know, as a team that might get knocked out early, you can still go pretty local and, and see a really good football game. You just said Olympic Conference, so somewhere Jim Taylor's radar just went off. He's really excited now, I'm sure, hearing that. <laughs> but yeah, he, he, he promotes that pretty hard. He, he does. He does. You've seen it, I'm sure. So I want to say for the record, I love going to a game at Weathersfield. I love covering a game at Weathersfield. But going to a game at Anawan, to me, that's the best. That, that place, I don't know if it's because there's – there's no fences around it, and it's like yeah. a park right next to the school. But I got to ask you about what's it like being a coordinator when you're at a game at Anawan? Because are you up on the roof? Are you up on a shed? Uh, our, uh, we have had coaches up on, up on the shed um, at that game. They actually just, uh, I think for safety's sake, expanded their press box, and now everybody's going to be able to fit inside up there. Okay. So we won't have Coach Anderson or Coach Smith out on the roof looking <laughs> over top of – um, you know, the often cars that are announcing the game on the radio, it's, uh, you, you feel everybody on top of you when you're there. Um, it, it's a great atmosphere. And, um, you know, we, we make it a point to, to play at each, at each place every year. And I think that's great for both communities. Um, and, and, you know, the, the, the small nature, everything on top there, and then the facilities we have um, here at Weathersfield, we just got an upgrade in terms of, a, uh, you know, we had a lot of, um, support amongst kind of alumni and parents and stuff like that. So we just got uh, a new scoreboard and some plate clocks and some new goalposts, like um, everything, you know, in our program um, has been established for a long period of time. And I think people finally said, okay, let's, let's give these guys some facilities they deserve. Um, part of that might be due to the fact that we did get to go to a forest and be like, holy cow, like, this is incredible. Like our kids are walking out there, like, this is awesome. Like, and, and then to see those other, places and we're like yeah that's us I mean we're we're right there with them um, and we want to we want to have our facilities look like that so we had a great group of parents and alumni and um, some donations and we got some of that stuff done and we're doing some stuff at Anawan in terms of the press box um, and in the next couple of years hopefully um, fixing some of the lighting issues in the corners of the end zone you know I don't know if you were there but we threw the uh, the wheel route to McCain Smith in the corner of the end zone to beat United on the last play of the game it was kind of dark over there I'm not sure uh, how he saw the ball that was one joke that we always said like 
uh, looking at it on film, or are we even sure he caught it? I mean, he was in that corner of the end zone. Um, but but both communities are doing a great job at, at giving our kids the opportunity to play at great facilities, and, and we obviously appreciate that very much. All right, talk, I want to talk a little bit. Oh, we get feedback once in a while, so we'll, we'll pause real quick there. Um, so, Coach, I want to ask you a little bit about being that you were the coordinator for – what going back to 2012 so nine seven years eight years yep. as a coordinator for Anawan Weathersfield obviously you've had the success you're very comfortable with the program but what was the transition like to head coach like in terms of play calling and schemes and you know week to week and even on the game day sideline how did your role change and what roles did you have to delegate to other people and take me through that yeah um so well, anytime you go from a position like that to, to being in charge, obviously some things are going to change. Um, but I think when Coach Johnson was here um, and, and when I took over, we try to surround ourselves with the best coaches we can. So that way we can kind of delegate um, a lot of that stuff. So uh, one of the first things I did when I became the head coach was I called Joe Schmidt, who at that time was the Bureau Valley head coach. Um, and he had been an assistant under us and somebody that we trusted with a lot of stuff in terms of game to day, game day operations. Um, and when he was just a, a normal assistant, um, and I said, hey, I know you've been there. You're being a head coach. Would you be interested in coming back being our defensive coordinator? Um, and, and he lived in Anwan, so he jumped all over the opportunity. Not that he didn't want to be a head coach, but, you know, it, this was where he grew up. He went to Anawan, um, knew all these kids, and, and he wanted to get back at some point, and this was an opportunity uh, for him to be able to get back. Um, so, so trusting him um, from day one to kind of get our defense ready and, and – um, obviously, I'm an offensive guy. I, we're all small school football coaches. We're not just one side. We're, you know, we're, we're coaching both sides. I coach our DBs. Um, but allowing him to kind of put his fingerprint on how he wanted our defense to be um, was something that started his very first day in the summer. Um, I said, what do you want to do? This is what we've done. This is who we have. Um, he, he was still somewhat connected in terms of understanding personality. He knew a lot of the kids. He maybe didn't see them. Uh, on a Friday night basis, but we, we got him on huddle and he was looking through some stuff. And um, we, we kind of kept the same scheme that Coach Johnson had left us in terms of we play a play an odd front and um, we use our athleticism and we, we, we do some of that stuff. And um, there's just certain checks that we have for formations that our kids just know from the time they're freshmen to the time they're seniors. This is what you see. This is what we're going to do. Um, so defensively, just, you know, telling him, hey, you're, you're free to call what you want. Like, this is what I like. Um, this is what I know our kids can do. We kind of had those conversations. This is, this is who we think are our best 11 defenders. How do they fit with what you want to do? Um, taking on a special teams role was uh, something I felt like I needed to do at first. Um, we, we had let, not we had let. Coach Johnson has chosen to do all the special teams himself when he was here. Um, and so when he left, that was kind of a, a hole that needed filled. Um, so I took a couple of them. Um, I dished a couple of them off to Michael Smith. Um, a former player of ours who, who was very successful in his time at Monmouth College as an outside linebacker and special teams player. Um, and, and we kind of split those up. And, um, you know, that, so that was pretty easy. We, we kind of moved some stuff around at the press off level, pulling a coach up and, and spreading some things out in terms of roles. Um, but on a, on a game night basis, uh, the number one thing that changes for me is um, now I get full say and if we punt or if we don't punt. And um, as an offensive guy who's very aggressive, um, the number of times that the punt got called in some questionable situations were, were probably few and far between compared to Coach Johnson, who was a defensive guy. And sometimes, you know, close game on the middle of the field, fourth and four, he's like, hey, let's punt, play field position game. Um, and, and I would, you know, yep, 
to your call. Um, now that those are my calls, there are some times last year that, um, we, you know, we, we played aggressively. And, and um, I could cite you some very specific instances in which I know we wouldn't have done those things if it wasn't me in charge. Um, but um, our kids and our staff believe, believe in me. Um, and, and that's great because, um, you know, I, I want to do my thing, but I, I want to make sure everybody's on the same page and nobody's looking at me like, why is he doing this? Because that is crazy. Um, but it, it didn't really change much. Um, you know, my call the plays on Friday night, we, we stuck with the same offensive scheme. I can do a little bit. I have a little bit more freedom. Um, not in terms of, I couldn't call this, but in terms of the decision to make, like knowing, okay, we're, we're going for this. Like no matter what happens between now and then, um, we're going for this and, and having the support of the coaches to do that. Um, and then spreading out some special teams. And um, the number one thing that changes for any young coach who's looking at becoming a head coach is you do a lot more stuff like we're doing right now. Um, and you, you, you talk to people and, and um, it's fun uh, to, to have the press and, and the media. And, um, you know, when you win a lot of games, there's not a lot of questioning what you're doing. Um, so I've been lucky in that regard through my first year that we won a lot. So I didn't get a lot of what were you thinking? Um, but um, it's, it's good, you know, to have the, the weekly radio interview with the local radio and to have the Star Courier newspaper guy from Kiwani out there every Friday night at a game. Um, and those were things that I didn't have to do before, uh, but they've been, they've been awfully fun um, uh, to, to get word out and to have a lot of positive reports um, about our program. Um, and about the way that, you know, we've been running it. And as much as it's a head coach, it's really a delegation of um, these are these are what we need to accomplish. And I have a great staff that's been helping me get those things done. All right, Logan, before I let you go, let's do a little no huddle here. Quick question, answer. The toughest place to go on the road in the LTC? Coming coming from here, I, I think it's Alito. I think the the atmosphere of the game, the stadium, you know, the way the field's set up, uh, and just knowing all the success that's been had on that field, um, it's Alito. Stark County, is a, uh, you know, gives it a run for its money. Those are two pretty tough places to play in the conference. Um, but, but maybe that's a homer answer. But being from Alito, I think that's where it's at. I kind of thought that it would either be, yeah, George Pratt or it would be uh, Stark County out there. I, I yeah. thought it would be one of those two for you. All right. Best on-field memory as an Alito Green Dragon. Oh, you got to think about it. Yeah, um, it, there are a lot of good memories. Uh, you know, playing playing two years, going uh, twenty five and three over those two years, with two of those losses being at state, um, provided me with plenty of examples. Uh, there, there was a a semifinal game when I was a junior, um, where we had Westville at George Pratt Memorial Field in the semis, and, and you know it had been hyped up all week, and, and we came out and just um, took care of business pretty early in that game. Um, and, and I don't know that us as starters in a semifinal game stepped foot on the field in the second half. Um, so that first half was, was one to remember um, in, in terms of, you know, just everything clicking for us. And um, it, it was a game that um, they, had, they had Caleb Pratt at that time, who's notorious in the IHSA for being one of the top running backs of all time. And, and we came out and stuffed them. Um, defensively and everything was rolling for us offensively. Um, that was one of the, the funnest moments uh, I, I can remember as a player. Awesome. All right. I've been asking every coach, if you could add one current NFL or college coach, I guess we throw high school in there too, college, NFL, or high school coach 
to add to your staff just as an extra guy, an extra mind, an extra person? Who are you going with? This is probably going to be wild. Um, I, I'm a big Lane Kiffin guy. I, I, I love the, um, you know, the, the gadgets and surprises that he's thrown out since his time at Alabama and even a little bit before that. Um, he's, he's somebody who um, I'll sit down and, and break down parts of those games, you know. Um, there's, there's a lot of great, great coaches in college and the NFL and high school, but I've been drawn to watching um, him wherever he's went um, because I, I think there's, you know, a trick play here, a trick play there, something schematically that they do. And, you know, part of it's me being biased in terms of saying I have a really good quarterback so we can mess around with some of that stuff and, and I can put that in and, um, and be successful. I'm so always looking for, you know, two quarterback plays and, and things that he did. And this year at Ole Miss, he was running a two quarterback system at times. Um, so I, I would watch and, you know, see what he was doing. Uh, um, and, and just his overall personality. He's, he's um, a great follow on Twitter. If you don't follow him, um, he has great press conferences. Um, not, not quite up to Mike Leach standards. Those are, those are some good ones too. Um, but yeah, they're, you know, with, with the availability of social media today, um, and how closely you can kind of interact and follow those people. It's fun. Um, but, but schematically, whatever, um, personality wise, I, I think Lane Kiffin is somebody that I'd like to hang around. So it's funny because, uh, coach Otting from Morrison, his guy was Mike Leach. He he's yeah. read all of his books and he's yeah. invested. He's involved with invested in his offense but too. So my, Mike Leach, I, I love listening to him in press conferences. That is something like I'll even load it up sometimes and like show my wife when he was at Washington state, he was, you know, breaking down who the toughest mascot was like, who, you know, whose mascot would win. And I thought that was just so funny. Um, and I showed it to my wife and she's like, seriously, like, what, why, why do you want me to watch this? I was like, you know, I think that's funny. I think that's hilarious. <laughs> Actually, uh, our nights are probably very similar because I think I did the same thing a few years ago. Like, you got to see what this guy said. And my wife's yeah. like, all right, I guess. And I was like, I yeah. don't know. I, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I, I thought it was perfect. I'm with you. All right. Last question. If we're going to go somewhere in Anawan or Weathersfield and we're going to get food, but it, we got to be able to talk football. It's got to be a place where you're going to hear about the glory days or you're going to talk some football there too. Where are we going? Cernos Bar and Grill. Um, I love Cernos. Cernos. I, that's a great answer. Cernos is a place that, you know, at any point in time, you can run into somebody that will definitely sit down and, and talk some football with you. Um, great food, great atmosphere, uh, whether you're sitting at a bar or a table or um, during our playoff uh, pairing show uh, two years ago, we actually rented the back room as a, a football program. Uh, you know, big projector, big screen. Um, it, it was fun. It's a, it's a great place. Uh, to, to sit and talk and, and, and gather around. We, one year we threw a coaches clinic in the back room uh, with some local coaches and everything like that. Um, so it, it's a great, great place to be able to, to sit down and talk a lot of ball. You will not find a better looking bar res restaurant either. That Correct. place is beautiful in there, man. Correct. So. It is beautiful. Awesome. Well, Hey, that, that's all I got for you, coach. So I appreciate you coming on, taking some time to talk some football and uh, have a good spring. All right. Thank you. That'll do it for this week's episode of View from the West. Thank you so much for listening. I encourage you to go out to Apple Podcasts or Podbean and subscribe so you can follow along and downloads will come automatically every week. You can follow along on Twitter at ViewFromWestPod. You can also email me if you're interested in being a sponsor, ViewFromWestPod at gmail.com. Thanks so much. We'll see you next week.